Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley. I'm Tim Priester. We are 18, 18 days away from a Notre Dame-Ohio State Fiesta Bowl, 13 days, I believe it is, before we all depart for uh, for Scottsdale, Phoenix uh, area. And we, we had an opportunity to spend some time with Brian Kelly the other day, um, talking about a variety of topics. We also know that uh, Ohio State, minus Adolphus Washington, plus Greg Schiano. Uh, and it sounds like Notre Dame plus Jerron Jones, but certainly Durham Smythe, which which should help Notre Dame in the red zone. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Durham Smythe is, I don't, I don't want to say more significant than Jerron Jones, but I just feel like he's going to be more of a contributor than. Well, Jerron I think he's Jones. more prepared to play. It certainly sounds that way. Yeah. So it, if that's the case, we were kind of joking about before we started the show about this might not be the game where Notre Dame's red zone offense gets fixed out, as Ohio State has two defensive coordinators working on Notre Dame for a month. Um, but Durham Smythe, I think, would make a difference. And, I mean, Tim, you asked the question on, on Saturday. It's a good one. Like, what do you think this offense would be if Durham Smythe had played 12 games? And, I mean, I got to think it's worth at least two extra red zone touchdowns. And, I mean, who knows if those happened in the right game. Maybe we're not talking about Yeah, I kind of figured like four or five scores for him over the course of a season. And, I mean, it's kind of a cop-out because they pretty much in the six years of Brian Kelly have struggled in the red zone. Yeah. So, I, you know, I this don't know that one individual. This is average season by Brian Kelly's right, standards for the right, red zone. Right, right, And, you know, I mean, let's it's still an offense averaging 35 points a game. So they did, a, obviously, a ton of great things. It's just that... You know, and you say the same thing about the defense. If you could prevent a couple of these things, you'd be, you know, 11 and 1, 12 and 0, sitting in a better spot. Well, I just thought, I wasn't even thinking along the red zone lines with Smythe as much as you needed two tight ends to do his job, which takes another skill position player off the field. When Durham Smythe is in, he's their best blocking tight end, according to Kelly. And because he's ahead of Alizé Jones at this point, he was their most accomplished pass catcher in camp. When he's in, you don't, you can't. There's no tendency if he's play, if Durham Smythe is playing yes. well as we expect. There's ten, when Alize Jones comes in, you know that if well, if, all four of them, right? A yeah, there's a tendency with all four other tight ends, right. and I think Smythe just would have made them that much more difficult to guard. Well, no doubt about it, and uh, you know, I mean, some of the other interesting topics that came up the other day. I mean, in addition to those the, the injuries, and I and I said the other day, I, I was a little surprised at CJ. Procise wasn't further along. But, of course, if you saw the replay of the injury, you could understand why it's taking some time there. But that's not as, uh, you know, that's not as urgent with Josh Adams' um, um, emergence. and, and um, They're like the old Broncos. You just throw a running back out there and he gets 1,800 yards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty much where they are with that. James Onowalu's back. But I think Grim Martini, I don't, you know, I don't think the coaching staff looks at that as a wash. I think we on the outside looking in say, Grim Martini, James Anawalu, but they love Anawalu. BBG has always loved Anawalu, and so that's significant as well. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was playing good football until he got hurt, and Grim Martini came in and played good yeah. football. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they got two guys who can play there. Uh, yeah, I mean, the pro size thing is you, you kind of wonder, 
what he's lost uh, over the last three weeks, not really being able to do anything. You know, he's running on a, a treadmill that's reduced gravity. Um, Probably some. Th- there may be like a week that he needs to spend just sort of getting his cardio back. Um, you know, you think even if he's all the way healthy, does Josh Adams start in the game? I'd say there's probably a pretty good chance that Josh Adams is a starter. I mean, he's talking about, Brian Kelly said, the end of next week, which means he, if he's ready to hit the ground running, so to speak, when he, when they resume after finals, that'll give him six days, right? Because he said they'd have eight days here and they've already had two. Yeah. So if he can get six good get good days in South Bend, then you have something. But I kind of doubt that he's going to get those six good days. I do, too. I actually thought Kelly kind of... Not not if he meant to do it. Hinted at it at the very beginning when he said not, not, this the previous time we talked to him. He said he's got farther to go. He's not doing anything. I found that odd. It kind of gave me the kind of feeling that he's not going to be a hundred percent. Now the one good thing for Procyse is his body was beaten to a pulp during the season. So at least that's not happening to him. His shoulders should be a little bit better off. He he was just getting beaten up. So if he can, as you said, if he gets six real practices in, he'll be fine. He's a great athlete playing running back. It's but. interesting how many touches a Christian McCaffrey has over the course of a season yeah. and a 220-pound C.J. Procise is beat up. I mean, all it takes is one or hit. two bad hits, and you then you're dealing with that the hit. whole it's year. It's different for him. Well, a couple other, you know, we, we were talking about this before Brian Kelly's press conference about how he would deal with some of the guys that are considering leaving for the NFL, and we were kind of surprised at how open he was in saying that, hey, look, you know, I didn't expect to have Ronnie Stanley and Jalen Smith back um, anyway. So, I mean, you pretty much know that those guys are, are are on the way out and with his blessing, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a kind of a refreshing approach because I think that, you know, being around Notre Dame as long as we have, there there is a tendency for people to sort of get tied themselves up in knots about how they present guys going pro or fifth years or red shirt. It depends on the player, though, yeah. right? If it's a Troy Nicholas when they're sure. clearly pissed about yeah. him leaving because he's not ready mentally and emotionally. Yeah, I just thought it was a, it was refreshing for a head coach to get up there and be like, yeah, you know, if you're a top 10 pick, get the heck out of here. Or at he, the point he made the first pick at your yeah. position, which, which of be, course makes great sense. Yeah, which would be, you know, it's going to be top 10 for those guys. I mean, they've both been cons- – Jalen Smith is – on track to be a unanimous first team All American with every team that's out there. I haven't seen him second team on anything. Ronnie Stanley's bounced a little bit between first and second team, but you know, Kelly flat out said, Hey, I don't expect Stanley back. We didn't really get into him specifically with Jalen Smith, but uh, Jalen, Jalen Smith's approach uh, after the award show dealing with the NFL question had there was you know, there was a smile sub context but behind his answers and then uh he had his photo taken with his two Butkus awards, wearing Dick Butkus's jersey uh, over the weekend as well. So there's, you know, when you see him in an NFL jersey once, you're like, yeah, that's probably uh, <laughs> there's thir- one in 32 chance to be wearing that next year. Yeah. I think these two are so it's so clear. The right, I mean, I find it refreshing too, but it's so clear. First of all, Roddy Stanley's graduated. He was almost going yeah, last year. It's real ridiculous to pretend he would come yeah, back. It's but, like Lewis Nix returning for a fifth year. Yeah, but you know, these are the only two guys other than Eifert. Remember, Eifert actually could have come back for a fifth year after that 2012 season. There's really, there's no choice. They're so, I mean, they're completely ready to go. They're the best players in their position. Tyler Eifert definitely should not have come back after graduating for 2013. <laughs> oh. But there's no other player I can think of. Like Manti Teo, Kelly was right. If he had come out as a junior, he would not have been a high draft yeah, pick. No, and no. Stephon Tuitt went in the second round. I know Tuitt was ready, yeah. but Tuitt went in the second round. Lewis Nix, you know, he was graduated, right. but he, there's, he could have been better by coming back. 
these guys, there's it's no point. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, you know, I don't know that Ronnie Stanley had a great year. Did but he he's have ready a dominant, to roll. But he's, yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. But he's ready to go. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, last year he gave serious consideration. So at this point, you just you turn the page. You'd like it all to work out perfectly for Notre Dame, but it's just not realistic, especially in this day and age where, I mean, guys jump so readily. They yeah. jump so quickly to the NFL, uh, maybe not as quickly at Notre Dame as they do some other places. But, um, you know, and Brian Kelly's aware of that. And that's why I think that when Will Fuller came right out, out of the blue and said, I'm coming back, Brian Kelly was very guarded because he knew I got he's got to go through the process. It's in his best interest to get an idea from the NFL advisory board as to where they per- perceive him now. So it's just the nature of the game now. It's a it's a professional game being played in, on the college level. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point for the most part. I, I feel like there has there hasn't been really a bad decision made. I mean, even look, Troy Nicholas and Stefan Tua could have played their way up right. by returning, but they were both second round picks. Yeah, they did. Yeah, so. Tua. We always looked at Tua as a freshman when you saw him coming in, especially as a sophomore. He could be a top five. Yeah. Pick, and then that didn't work when he gained weight and left early. But so he could have gotten higher. Yeah. I mean, Nicholas wasn't going. You to know, it was good. Back, it was good for Floyd. Clearly, it was good for yeah. Day. Um, you know, Rudolph. Probably made the right decision leaving. He was a second-round pick. All sorts of injury problems. Yeah. His career is working out just fine. Right, right. Um, Teo yeah. became the most famous player in Notre Dame history that, by coming back. That yeah, was, I think yeah. Teo probably made more money on the backside <laughs> yeah. of his career by returning from like Notre Dame alums buying him dinners for the rest <laughs> of his life. So, you know, it's, it worked out. But I mean, most I think you know Brian Kelly's point that you bring up is like you don't want a player back that doesn't want to be back. And you know, Will Fuller would at least have to exhaust. Okay, do I should I be here? Should I not be here? And we'll see. That's to me of the five guys. That's the one that is most interesting to me because I think that he's the guy that could gain the most by coming back to school. Um, you know, the other Kavar Russell could get better, but I think he's he's, he does, he's, he's, he's one an of those example guys that of, probably wants exactly. wants to go and do something else. And he has the extra layer now of not being eligible unless the NCAA files an appeal or grants an appeal in the next. 30 days before the draft deadline, which to me, if I was Kavar Russell, there is zero chance I would roll the dice on being ineligible because the <laughs> Cause you don't know when they're going to make yeah. that decision. Yeah. I mean, you got to look back to training camp. He was not fully eligible until two weeks into the preseason, and that was filed over the summer. So if I'm Kavari Russell, it's like I can't roll the dice on this at all. You know, Jalen Smith. And Ryan Stanley are obvious. CJ Pro size is, is a coin flip. And that's one I feel like is he gonna play his way up a draft board by coming back a whole lot? Maybe go from a fourth round to a third round. My thing with Pro I don't, size, I, I don't know. I think he could. I mean, I but it's right like, now but, you're but looking is that at significant. Like Yeah, but you're looking at an incomplete picture now. Not only is he inexperienced as a running back, but he hell he's missed the last five, four or five games, too. So I don't know. I mean the NFL's gotta look at him and say yeah, he did some really good things, but do, we don't really know what we have. Plus, there's a durability issue because he had multiple injuries. Yeah, I'm just looking at it from the standpoint of, is it better to go out as a fourth-rounder now and get an extra year of earning, or is it better to come back and be a third-round pick and make slightly more Well, the answer to that contract? is... I don't know. The answer to that is it, it, it depends upon how quickly you establish yourself because in the NFL, if you don't establish you know yourself early... You don't get that second contract. Yeah, yeah. and I, I mean, I don't think he's a guy that's probably going to get a second contract either way. I mean, that that's like I just 
Well, so I, yeah, I he think could be he a special could. teams guy. He could. I, I know you're saying a huge second guy. Yeah. I mean, huge. You, I think he can play more than three years. Yeah, of course. I mean, like, right. the, like Theoretic was a fifth round pick, and like he's still hanging around and, and having a nice career. I mean, Jonas Gray was undrafted, and I think is in his what fourth season now. That's pretty good. Um, undrafted after injury. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think CJ Prosize is certainly going to have a four or five year NFL career. Is he ever going to be a starting NFL running back, like a feature guy? Probably not. Um, he he would if he would learn how to become a running back. He doesn't even. But he's they, got a lot of natural instincts. Obviously, I mean, I, he had a he did some remarkable things this year. I'm not diminishing that. Can but, you learn to be a running back better when you have NFL coaching? Uh, Twenty. Well, you hours can, but you're not I mean, going to get. But yeah. you're not going to get 175 carries no, either. No. Which is the ultimate teacher is game experience. I think Procise will come back because I don't think his. This is going to sound wrong, but I don't think his mental makeup is professional football yet. Is it, yeah. Well, nor do we think Cut Fuller's throws. is. Yeah. Right, yeah. and I know some people are out there Fuller. saying that Fuller has said. Well, he, I mean, his mindset—he's obviously a lot more confident football yeah, player than football he first than guy. he used to be. But I just think you know, I mean, when he when he answered the question a couple weeks ago about coming back and talked about getting the degree. I thought it was pretty genuine. I mean, I thought it was off the cuff and, and and that made that comment real real genuine and I don't I think when you add everything up, I think as a football player when he's on the field now, he believes he knows he's an NFL player, but I think when you add everything up on and off the field, the 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 quiet nature, the reserved nature of the human being that he is, I don't think that he's completely ready to go to the NFL. I, I don't. I think his personality is. I think it's just a skill set is not. You know, he could. He's a guy that could come back and go from late second round, where it's just like, well, this is just a speed guy. To he really worked on it. It'd be like a, a basketball player coming back and adding a three point shot. It'll be like Jaron Grant coming back and being right, a where he ca- catches everything, yeah. and suddenly you're talking about him as like, wow, this guy has great hands. And he runs by everybody. Man, this is somebody we need to take a look at as a top 20 pick. And that is, financially, that is a big jump in terms of the contract. All right, well, why wouldn't that apply to ProSize? Because he's an incomplete back and incapable of being that's a third and short running back. The difference between a fourth-round pick and a third-round pick is insignificant. That's that's the difference. Like, once, you get, uh, once you're moving up into the first round, why you're, would he you're only go? But if he had millions of dollars. But if he played 12 healthy games and continued what he did at the beginning of the first half this year and did that over the course of the season, why wouldn't that make him a first or second? Well... Okay, I realize running backs don't go high, and there's not yeah, a whole yeah. bunch of them. And he's okay. not. He's not. That but it would good. come down, and it, it, when it comes down to a running back, isn't it more say second round, first or second yeah. running back pick as opposed to exactly what round you're in? Well, I don't think he'd be the first or second running back pick. Fournette can come out next and year, and Delvin Cook will come out. Fournette's pretty good. Chubb, so bet, yeah. I mean, I, I think CJ Pro says there's a, there's a ceiling about how high he's going to go, and it's probably late second round because um, I. This is, I mean, CJ ProSize was so good that Josh Adams came in, and now we're talking about, hey, Josh Adams, are totally fine. They'll just start him against Ohio State. Don't worry about it. Everything's good. So, I mean, to me, you, so is Folsom have to switch positions then because these just, guys all look good. That's how good, that's how good Notre Dame's offensive yeah. line was. That yeah. you can just plug and play somebody else. That they that they took a slot receiver and turned him into a thousand yard back. They kept like, getting better. I like CJ ProSize. I and I think he's an NFL athlete. I just don't think he's going to be a high draft pick. I mean, you look at some of the guys who have been second round picks from Notre Dame. Rudolph, Tate, Trevor Laws. I mean, CJ Prosides at his position is not as good as those guys, in my opinion. So but I think CJ Prosides will be making money 
for four or five years in the in the league. So do you want to make start making it next year, or do you want to start making it in 2017? That's up to him. So our consensus is Stanley Smith obviously gone. Russell should be gone because having to rely on the NCAA to make a decision. And, for and, you. He, and he wants to be. And he wants, and to, he be. wants to be. Fuller probably back. All three of us would say. If you had to guess, you're just guessing. You're not. Yeah, I, I yeah. would. And I think he should. Right. I don't. I hate, I hate when sports writers are moralizing like whether you should or shouldn't go. But but I think you're looking at it from a football. Yeah, standpoint. I think from a football standpoint, it would be good for both. Well, I think ProSize should from the, for the same reasons. Yeah, should I do come too. back. I think because I I'm, think ProSize would have trouble in the NFL. ProSize right is a guy like I do too. I just like I don't know if I have an opinion on whether he should. Yeah, go we, we kind of. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a it's an unusual case, so we kind of look at really that a little bit differently. All right, we will uh, we'll come back for segment two and take some questions from our readers. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider is our Burning Up the Boards segment. We'll start with a recruiting question and kind of dip into some other areas of recruiting. Starting with S.F. Costello, please rank the remaining DBs on the board in order of your personal preference for Notre Dame to sign and then order most likely for Notre Dame to land. And I guess we're talking about DeMar Hamlin and Jordan Fuller and Troy Pride. I know Devin Studd still is a safety that's got some size that could play. Yeah. You could throw Brandon Burton in there too if right. you wanted to. What, what are your thoughts on that question? I mean, I, I sort of look at it as two groups. You got the A group, which is Jordan Fuller and Demar Hamlin, uh, and then I think Devin Studsill is like third in that. And then after that, you've got more of the Troy Pride, Brandon Burton. Um, and I don't think there's a huge gap between those, but I mean, you know, I guess David Long would probably be in that second group too, but. I mean, to me, DeMar Hamlin is clearly their, their top pure corner. Devin Studsill is sort of their top combination guy. And Jordan Fuller, they've been recruiting at safety for a long time. He took an official visit this weekend. Uh, they said, no, you could play corner a little bit too. So I guess we'll see how that plays out. But um, that's sort of how I'd break up the groups. I think Devin Studsill is definitely going to commit to Notre Dame tomorrow. Um, so we're going to talk about that more on our next show. But he's a guy... That Notre Dame's been recruiting for a long time. Six foot, one hundred eighty-three pound safety out of Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. High school teammate of Tavon Coney. Um, so he'll he'll be in the class probably within twenty-four hours here, or a little bit longer than that. Um, and then beyond that, you've got sort of got that Fuller Hamblin combination. And I think Notre Dame stands a, a very good chance at at both of them. Really, um, you know, they would like to at least add one more two more defensive backs of this class. Um, so they've got options. It's uh, coming out of this weekend, having Jordan Fuller on campus. You had Caleb Kelly, the five-star linebacker from Fresno on campus. You uh, got Jeffrey McCulloch, the four-star linebacker from Houston. Sort of, he canceled his Texas A&M visit. I think that helps Notre Dame a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, of course, you've got um, the Dale and Hayes commitment as well, which is obviously huge for Notre Dame. Notre Dame's defensive recruiting is uh, it's moving pretty firmly in a, a real positive direction right now. I like what they're doing in the secondary. In, in the order in which you listed them, I think you said Hamlin, Fuller, Studstill. I don't know if that was actually your order or not, yeah. but that's kind of that's, that's how I would I rate it. them. And, and, you know, I like the size that they're looking at in, in the secondary. That's important. Um, you know, I've, I watched Jeffrey McCullough and uh, – and Caleb Kelly, and I think those are two, obviously, those are two outstanding linebackers. And you think Notre Dame's chances with McCulloch are They're pretty good. good. I mean, he's been sort of my guy for the last few months of, like, 
as soon as he visits Notre Dame, he's gonna be like, oh, this is this is really in my wheelhouse here. I didn't even know this, you know, this was gonna be a fit for me. And I think that's been happening. Uh, and I think Caleb Kelly is also in that boat. Um, I spoke to his mom Sunday morning after the official visit, and she was pretty upfront about how hey, Notre Dame is academically really hard, and if you want to mess around for four years in college, you should probably go somewhere else. Right. But um, she really liked what Notre Dame was pitching there. It's interesting that both Kelly and Dylan Hayes are both interested in wearing number nine next year. Um, so First to commit. Yeah, first. <laughs> well, Dylan Hayes wins, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in Kelly is a finalist for the High School Buckus Award. Jalen Smith just won the college after winning the high school. Manti Teo won both as well. They actually had Kelly take a photo with the Buckus Award uh, while he was on campus. So there's a lot of connections there. Um, Notre Dame has had some trouble recruiting Fresno before. That's well documented. But Kelly, by far, is the best fit for Notre Dame among all the guys that Notre Dame has targeted from that area of California. So... It's a national signing day decision for Kelly. He'll be at the U.S. Army All-American Bowl. We'll be down there covering that. So, it, um, I like Notre Dame's chances to, to pull an upset on Oklahoma with Caleb Kelly right now. You know, I know Caleb, I mean, this is kind of nitpicking. Caleb Kelly's a list as a five-star. McCulloch's list as a four-star. I mean, it's just, I was curious as to what your opinion was in terms of comparison because um, I definitely have a strong one about it. You know, it. At, at the opening, McCulloch was tested much better than Kelly did in terms of you know, verticals and 40s and powerball throws and things like that. McCulloch is a kind of a powerhouse athlete. I think McCulloch to me seems like he's got more of a inside linebackers game to him in terms of how he's built. He's real broad in the shoulders, real imposing physically. Kelly, while he's definitely added some good weight, to me is somebody more that could be a Sam linebacker naturally too. Whereas I think McCulloch you're looking more as a as a is a will, maybe a, maybe a Mike, but probably a will, you know. And then you, if you can stick Dale Hayes at Mike and Jeffrey McCulloch at Will and Caleb Kelly at Sam, that's great. You'd have a pretty nice defense. Well, but Dale Hayes isn't going to be. Yeah, a, he'll probably be going defensive. To be I, I agree with what you're saying about Kelly and McCulloch. I mean, I think obviously there's a physical maturity to both of these guys, but McCulloch hits like a man now, you know. And and that's a guy. And I and I agree that. Caleb Kelly is your quintessential in Sam space. linebacker, right? Yeah, in space he can chase guy. receivers. He redirects. He redirects routes. You know, and that's why I saw a comparison to Jalen Smith. He's not Jalen Smith. Those are two different type athletes. Jalen Smith will run with a wide receiver down to the goal yeah. line, fifty yards down the field. Caleb Kelly can run with a receiver too, but he's going to use his physicality to redirect him a little bit. So just need to not compare people to Jalen. Yeah, I, I just I I, I saw I, I saw I'll just say a recruiting a longtime recruiting analyst make that comparison. It's like, come on, man! Don't first of all, don't do that to Caleb Kelly, and secondly, it's not accurate. That was I mean that was Notre Dame's pitch, and it has been throughout. And when I saw him in the opening, I'm like, okay, let's see. You know, how does this guy stack up to Jalen? Well, that's different. Like, nope, that's a, sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a recruiting. Like, that's a team recruiting yeah, pitch. That's yeah, different. Which is fine. But then you go out and see him. You're like, okay, I want to see how his skill set compares to Jalen Smith. And like, you know, if you just ratcheted everything down 25, percent then you know maybe you'd have Jalen Smith. But like, it's a it's a, it is a it's a similar game, just not playing it as well as Jalen right. Smith. No, I'm I'm not taking anything away from Caleb Kelly. Which I'm just saying totally it's, not right, that, it's, right. not yeah, right. yeah. it's not that it's not that kind of it's not that kind of kind. I I don't know who compares to Jalen Smith. This, I don't have a comparison yeah. for Jalen Smith. This came across once a few years ago and it was a very good running back. It was Gio Bernard and somebody asked me if I thought he reminded me of Emmett Smith. I was like, 
No, he doesn't remind me of the greatest running back in the history of the NFL in terms of yardage. He doesn't, but that's not a knock on Gio Bernard, and just don't compare guys to Jalen Smith for a while. Give it a few years and let us forget that he made up for everything that was going wrong defensively all year long. Yeah. Pete, anything else you want to hit in recruiting before we move on to questions? No, questions? I, think, I think it's probably a pretty good overview. I mean, it's kind of moving towards the All-Star game season now. you got Javon McKinley who will commit there. I still really, really like Notre Dame's chances there. If you get McKinley and Stud still, and then you can pick off one of one great defensive back and one great linebacker, and Notre Dame's in a good chance to maybe do both, I think you're going to have a really impressive and surprisingly good class for Notre Dame. Irish McCarthy asks, how much do you expect Jerron Jones to play in the Fiesta Bowl? 10 plays, 30 plays? Closer to 10 than yeah, 30. I agree, um, especially if Cage is fully back from which we hope he is, otherwise there's an issue with his yeah. concussion. I would think that there's select plays John Jones can really help you with. Probably second and ten push, something like that. Sure. You know, it, it, That's 10, 12 plays, and 10, 12 good plays is all that matters. It won't be 30. I guess I was, I, the, the number I'm kind of hoping for, I guess, or looking for uh, from a productivity standpoint, 20 to 25, but... My answer to this question is: There's no we we don't know now. I mean, he's only two practices right. in. He's he's a little behind schedule, as Brian Kelly said. Now they have a week of exams. Then they have six practices here. Those are the key practices, right? I mean, it's like we said with CJ Procise. Those will determine because if you can't practice during that time, yeah. when you get out to Phoenix, they're not. He's just not going to throw you into the game plan. So those are six key days, and and we'll see if he's a little bit behind. I think, you know, the question was 10 or 30 here. I'd lean more towards 10. I guess I'm hoping more towards 20 or 25. For what it's worth, probably not a lot. Daniel Cage played 13 snaps at Stanford. You know, so it's... So, so you're it's saying... the impact of it's got to build. you got to... Yeah. It, it takes some time. And, like, remember, oh, right, remember right. Sheldon Day in the bowl game last year with the high ankle sprain? Oh, we're going to have Sheldon Day back. It's really going to help the defensive line. That's he didn't, he didn't play a ton yeah. in that game or you know, didn't have a whole lot of impact on what was happening. He still had to move Rochelle inside. So I I think any anything from John Jones as a bonus, 10 to 15 plays would be nice. And Brian Kelly did say, I mean, I assume he was talking about what he saw in practice that day. He saw the old Jerron Jones push up the field. So that's, that's encouraging. Yeah. And that's what we've always said about it. I mean, when Jerron Jones is in the lineup... The point of attack is not going to shift. Right. If it's going to shift, it's going to shift against the offense, not against the defense. And that was, that was, I mean, what a great strength he brought to that the interior of that defensive line. I think no matter what, even if it, even if it's thirty plays and he's feeling great, we're not going to see Jerron Jones versus Florida State when he was the best football player on a field that included Dalvin Cook, Jalen yeah, Smith, and Jameis Winston that now, day. Well, but he can be, he can just come in and be a, their best nose tackle for 15 plays. That's great. Yeah, that would help a lot. Push Absolutely. the point of attack. That's that's progress. M. Solnar, with what you assume now regarding players returning in 2016, do you think Notre Dame will have a better or worse chance of making the playoff next year? Well, it's better than it is now because they're not in it. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> I know, I had long points. Yeah, their chances this year are <laughs> really terrible, bad. Really, yeah. I pointed to this year largely because of the top of the roster, and I was including Kavari. Yeah. You had Stanley, Day, Smith, Kavari, plus all the depth they've built. All that depth is there, and the young guys getting better. Like, I mean, Kaiser, for crying out loud, if Will Fuller's back. I think they have a good chance next year. But I had just pointed to this year because you have two first-round draft picks on your team. You had Kavari, which we thought would be third-round type Still guy. Still really good player. Still a really good player. We thought he'd be better than, yeah, than he was this year. I agree. And Sheldon Day is a great college player. Uh, that's why I just pointed to this year. But well, next year, their depth, they have a really good chance next year. And You know, I mean, a guy like... 
I mean, a guy like Chris Brown. I mean, Chris Brown, especially yeah. the second, maybe the final two thirds of the season, was a clutch third down player, a chain mover. You know, that's not a guy that you know. That's not a name that you're normally going to throw out there. Like, oh wow, we're going to miss him. It's normally the people that, right. that you mentioned, certainly. But Acquire guys like good. that. To me, the biggest one is is Nick. Not the biggest one, but Nick Martin. I mean, who? Who's going to play center? Maybe Sam Mustafer is. I don't know, but or maybe somebody else moves in there, or Tristan Hodge competes for that. I I don't know, but when you consider everything that Nick Martin did for that offensive line, not so much physically, but just mentally and getting everything set and being a leader, emerging as a leader, that's a that's a huge replacement for Notre Dame. Yeah, he year. ranked very high on that Schneider scale. I didn't see the final update, but going into the Stanford game, I mean, it's it's technical. It's how, it's how you're graded out. You're ranked higher than Ronnie Stanley did. You're ranked as high as Sheldon Day did. It, it does offense and defense. Would, it's not potential like Stanley. Just, yeah, but he obviously had a great year because that is national analysts looking only at every play and him blocking. If I, if, you know, and I don't, I do tail the tape and it takes forever and I still don't see everything, not yeah. even close. But you watch the offensive line over 12 games. I'd say Nick Martin was more consistent than Ronnie Stanley. That would be the impression that's left in my head from seeing those plays. I give Stanley so much credit, I think, for the fact that the quarterbacks didn't get touched. I know Martin has to block, too, but the, yeah. like being out there in oh, the no edge, doubt. it was just, Deshaun Kai's just looked that's around. That's why they make the money. Pick some stuff out, and Stanley was sitting there and holding his guy and looking around and trying yeah, to see it. That, so I think, guys. Yeah, I, so I think he did a great job there, too. Yeah, but Pass, I agree. pass I think, blocking, I agree, yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think Nick Martin's loss will be underrated. I think yeah. that's... <laughs> what you're trying to say, I totally agree. Terry Benedict, moving forward, is is this game versus Ohio State as big for recruiting as it gets? I don't, I don't is that rhetorical? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Um, it's it's important, you know. I, but it, I don't I don't know if it's it's not gonna if gonna they s- win or they win, it's yeah. going to tip the scales tremendously no. one way. No, it's not like Austin Max is going to be like, oh, I'm going to Notre Dame now. Um, you know, it's just guys. Guys are not going to flip like that, and if they lose, Dalen Hayes is not going to be like, ah, I'm going to, I'm screw this, I'm going to Ohio State. Yeah. It's, uh, it's important that it, look, if Notre Dame loses a competitive game, it's a, it's a recruiting wash. If they get hammered, it's a negative. If they win, it will be a positive, but it's not, it's not going to really make or break this class. Um, now, now maybe if you go out and beat Ohio State by 14 points, that then somebody like a Caleb Kelly or a Jeffrey McCulloch is like. You know what? I really like what's happening up there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the plunge and do this. But it's not, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be the most important thing in those guys' decisions. Everything matters now. When Michigan's getting better, Ohio State's yeah. good. Michigan State's good. Notre Dame's good. Yeah, you're all located here in the Midwest. Everything's you a, have factor. a reason, right? You got everything's have a, a factor to make Notre Dame the pick. I'm gonna give Terry Benedict credit and say he thinks it's 2017. He's talking about. Will it really help if Notre Dame beats Ohio State? Kind you know, of a springboard like they beat LSU no, I, on the, a much smaller the, scale. Is it is it really big for 2017 if they beat Ohio I, State by 14 points? I think it's bigger for 2016 than okay. it is 2017. Because I, I think you look back at the national championship year, they didn't maybe get a huge boost out of that <laughs> immediate. They didn't get a boost out of getting murdered year, by Alabama. But... You know, they got head coach, you know, make make your Greg Bryant jokes here. But like the fact that they went 12 and 0 helped them get a a, basically a five star running back out of Florida. They got Redfield over the break. They got Folston over the break. I mean, they they got some some Mm -hmm. big time guys uh, pre Alabama post regular season. I think if they beat Ohio State, then then you're expecting to get a Hamlin Mm -hmm. and a McCulloch or a, a Kelly. Whereas if 
you lose, maybe you're just you're sort of back where you are right now. You're in a, a decent position to get them, but you don't feel like you have that ammo to close. So it's, you know, is it as big as it gets? No, it's important. Um, but, you know, compared to beating USC at home on your big recruiting weekend, I don't think it's as big as that. It, it's another one of those situations where we try to speculate, but just think. It, just try to put yourself in the position where Notre Dame just beat Ohio State by 17 points in a Fiesta Bowl. You know, now look at it that way. I can't imagine the world. Well, I can't. I, I, I can't. I was going to go with my point. I don't. <laughs> I don't believe that's going okay. to happen to that extent. But you know, it's the it's you try to project and put yourself in that spot after it's happened, and that would be yeah amazingly huge. Yeah, and I mean, it's not that hard to project because it ha- it kind of happened last year. You know, they when they beat LSU and a much smaller scale nationally, yeah. but that was a <laughs> team that was beat to hell. I mean, I, I think our perception of Notre Dame's chances to beat LSU versus Ohio State... Way lower. Way oh, yeah. lower yes. for LSU. I had it number one on my confidence well, yeah. but, but, but why, would, but why would we have based yeah. upon what happened last November? Yeah. With the yeah. injuries and... But I'm just saying, like, in terms of projecting what it would mean for Notre Dame, it would be something comparable, and that was a big deal. It didn't necessarily... It didn't have a huge recruiting bump for Notre Dame, but it colored the next nine months of yeah. the program, but it and did, that's a pretty big deal. But it didn't have a huge recruiting bump or not as big a one as you would like because of what happened in November, whereas this year, this is a this is a real, real quality yeah. Notre Dame team with nothing but good thoughts about where Notre Dame is. So if they were to take a 10-2 regular season and follow through with a big win over Ohio State, it's all good. We need Jennings to quarterback Ohio State and just... <laughs> Take them out. There's no, uh, <laughs> no. I mean, this Notre Dame team is way better than that Notre Dame team, and this Ohio State team is way better than that yeah. LSU team. And you said smaller scale. This would be, and it, this would just be a great win for the program to be 11 and two beating Ohio State, and they'd have two losses by two points apiece at the end. That's a yeah. great season. That's great the season. that's the top tier non championship. Not need to qualify yeah. a great season at all. Yeah. Not great season, but right, just great season. Yeah, no question. All right, last question. Wash ND. How many points can Notre Dame allow to Ohio State and still win? Can Brian Kelly call or play the disrespect card, seeing as that everyone outside of Notre Dame and its fans seem to think Notre Dame doesn't stand a chance to win this game? Well, I, you know, with all due respect, I don't think the second part of that question is valid. I mean, I, what we were saying that I, while well, Danny Connell, he, he did his confidence picks last night. Yeah, Notre Dame, I think he put 29 on it. To win I, the game? To win the game, oh. yes. Yeah. I, so I don't, I mean, I don't think people look at it the same way again because this is a. So, I, I hesitate to say great Notre Dame team, but it's a very, very yeah. good one. There's no doubt about that. I was just joking they couldn't win by seven. They won't win right. by 17. Right. I yeah, think they That's what sure. we're laughing about. Gonna, yeah, yeah, of course they can. Now, the, the original question, however, how many points can Notre Dame allow to Ohio State and still win? What do you think about that? Yeah, it's got to they, They're going to allow in the 30s. They are. They allow 20 to everybody in the world other than Texas. Virginia, if they're going to score. Ohio State is no, scoring thirty points in this if, game. If Notre Dame wins, I mean, it could it could be like a reverse Stanford, really. Right. That's I mean, right. That's how I think gonna, the game will go. Both, I think both teams are probably going to get in the thirties. Totally agree. And yeah. if only one team gets in the thirties, Ohio State won the game. I would agree with that. Yeah, that's a good point. And both teams are tied for ninety seventh in the country for most fifty yard plays allowed. So and, they're both vulnerable. And they get a lot of 50 yard plays on offense, too. I tell you what, you know, I've been I've been kind of picking away at Brian Kelly talked about that run-pass dilemma, and I followed up on it and didn't really get a good response, so you, so you let it go. But, um, you know, I was curious about that, because if you're going to you're, well, you're going to take JT Barrett and you're going to fake a run out of the shotgun and then stand up and throw, 
you got Elijah Shoemate back there, man. That's a good play. I'd run that play against Elijah Shoemate because I think he's going to bite on that. Yeah, it was funny when you were trying to uh, get him to talk about <laughs> Urban Meyer and the run-pass conflict. He kept talking about the own run-pass conflict at his offense. I know. <laughs> was, you know like, right. That's, hey, a, that's a pass-run conflict. Yeah, that's a pass-run conflict. But then he admitted. He said they're a little more dedicated to the run. I thought that was funny that he threw yeah. that out there. I think we are absolutely going to see that play at least once run on Trying to isolate Elijah Shumate into biting on quarterback run. You think their nine defensive coordinators will see the safety issue uh, Notre Dame has I, and I figure think, it out? I think yeah. everybody in the world knows that now. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. We will be back next week, as that's when our next access point is to Notre Dame, Brian Kelly, and some players. So until then, thanks for listening. Pete Sampson, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley.